Welcome back to The Forge, where we are continuing our study in the book of James. We are in James chapter 4. James chapter 4. So we are going to begin with a reading through the entire chapter. James chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So I always pause whenever I'm reading the Bible. I always pause at the end of a chapter or at the end of a few verses. And the reason I pause is because I'm usually deeply impacted by what it says. And the same thing happened here just now. James chapter 4, like I've already said, begins to develop the ideas that we've already seen in the first three chapters. We see the idea of judging. We see the idea of having prejudices in our hearts. 
we see the idea of grace and humility and being contrasted with pride and arrogance. And this phrase here in the sixth verse where it says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. That comes from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34. I always laugh a little bit inside, and sometimes I actually get sad when people tell me that parts of the Bible are true, but other parts are not true. That's a statement that really comes from ignorance. What they don't understand is how intricate the Bible has been woven together. It is intricately put together. And here's an example of that. So if James here is quoting from Proverbs 3, verse 34, it becomes clear that James believed in the book of Proverbs. So if you're going to say that parts are true and parts are not true, is James not true? If Proverbs is not true, then James can't be true because he's quoting from it. Or is he picking and choosing? And the writer of Proverbs, clearly, how are you going to go through the book of Proverbs and decide which parts are good and which parts are not good? Then you become the judge of what is the word of God and what is not the word of God. And really, the deeper you get into the study of the Bible, you find that things are so intricately put together that these concepts build upon each other. And if you discard any part of it anywhere along the way, even though it may seem like a very small, simple thing, it will begin to cause the whole to crumble. Because there are so many cross-references and so many quotations from the other scriptures. And you must come to the conclusion that it was put together by someone outside of our time and our space. Because whoever put it together was able to see the future with 100% accuracy. Otherwise, your alternative is, is that the whole Bible as a whole must be thrown out. And those are the decisions that you have to make. That's what you have to come to. When it comes to scripture, there's no middle ground. <laughs> and like I said, I, I chuckle whenever I hear um, people from a secular worldview or humanist or an atheistic point of view or an evolutionary point of view trying to merge concepts together that are contrary to scripture. So the ball is in your court, listener. You're going to have to determine. Why do I bring that up? Well, if you look here where it says again in James chapter 4, I, I jumped all the way to verse 6. Um, this isn't in my notes, by the way. I'm just telling you uh, exactly how I feel about this. When I read something like verse 6, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. When I note that that is a quote by James from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, what I see here is a call to the sinner. The sinner must see himself as broken before God's law. It's pride that says, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad that 
bad. You give law to the proud. You preach grace to the humble. Law to the proud, grace to the humble. Why is that? Because the prideful person must see himself not before my standard, not before some standard that you make up for yourself, but before the standard of God's holy law. And a great way, and perhaps you've seen this, uh, Ray Comfort is a famous uh, street evangelist. He goes out um, with the former child star, Kurt Cameron, and they go out on the street preaching the gospel, and this is what they do. They give the law to the proud and grace to the humble. They start spiritual conversations with people, and it is amazing to watch people resist the law of God. The law of God, well, what is it? We start with the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. What does that mean? It means don't make something out of wood or stone that you think looks like your God and worship that thing. So God says, there are no other gods before me. You're not to have any other gods before me. Number two, don't make anything that you think looks like me. There isn't anything that looks like me. I'm not like you. The third commandment is, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. What does that mean? That means if you call on my name, you had better be praying to me and talking to me. Don't use my name like a curse word. He says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Why is that? It's because man is supposed to take one day a week. God asks for one day a week. And he says, on this day, you're to remember me. On this day, it is to be a holy set aside day. Six days, basically, God is saying, you've got six days. Those are your days. On the seventh day, that's my day. That's for you and I. That is to remember me and to worship me and to remember the blessings that I poured out. And don't work on that day. Take a day of rest. Isn't that amazing? The first four commandments deal with man's relationship to God. And you might be thinking, well, I haven't broken any of those laws. I mean, I didn't make an idol for myself and I don't bow down and worship that idol. Let me assure you, friend, your heart is an idol maker. Now, you may not have gone out and gotten a piece of wood or stone or whatever and carved out an image and bowed down and worshiped that image. Although, in today's world, that stuff really does go on. It actually does go on. I remember going to one of my favorite restaurants. Uh, <laughs> it was called Hong Kong Kitchen. And I noticed that every morning... Uh, in the front of this restaurant, there was a Buddha statue, and there were always offerings of incense and fruit of some kind that would be broken open and set before this image of Buddha. And the owner could barely speak English, and I remember one day as um, I was eating there, um, paying my check, I went up and I asked the folks, do you really believe in Buddha, do you really, 
Are you really and truly offering sacrifices to Buddha here, bring incense and having these fruits and vegetables out front? Are you really doing that? Or is it just for decor? Is it just for the atmosphere of this place? And this was the answer. Of course we believe. Why would we do such a thing as make a sacrifice and an offering to the statue if we did not believe? So you may say, well, I don't do that, so I'm not guilty of that. Well, friends, we all make idols in our heart. So even though you may not have gone out and done something as drastic as having a statue and bowing down before it and burning incense and all the things that go along with that, you have placed in your heart something beyond God. But here's another one. Have you ever used the name of God as a cuss word? Have you ever called out on God, but you weren't praying and you certainly did not mean to revere his name and hold his name holy? Have you ever done that? Have you ever questioned, well, maybe there is a God, but there could be many gods. Have you ever had those kind of thoughts? And God says, there is no God before me. So in your heart, you have already broken those first four. And James tells us earlier, actually, that if you break one, you've broken them all. The next six commandments are the commandments that really deal with how we're supposed to deal with one another, our fellow human beings. We are to uh, obey and honor your mother and father. Well, there's one right there. And I know that anyone listening to this has broken that one. Have you always, 100% of the time, every single time, always done what your parents told you to do. We're not to lie. We're not to bear false witness. Have you ever told a lie? Hmm. It says that we are not to covet or we're not to lust. And all that is simply is wanting something that you can't have. Not wanting something like it. You want that one. Let's say, for example, that I see that my neighbor has something and I don't want uh, something similar to what he has. I want his property. I want what is his. You see, that's covetousness. That is me wanting something that does not belong to me. And that leads to not stealing. I'm not supposed to steal. I'm not supposed to take something that doesn't belong to me. Have you ever stolen? Have you ever had a work situation where Maybe there's office supplies. And those office supplies, technically, they don't belong to you. They belong to the office. But you use the pen or you use a piece of paper or sticky notes or whatever. You use the office supplies and they find their way into your briefcase or they find their way into your pocket and you take it home. And you use it at home. And then you remember, oops, that's not my pen. That belongs at the office. Oh, well, I guess I'll just leave it here. Friends, that's... Stealing. That's stealing. Interesting, isn't it? When you really start to dig down into the law, how much of the law that you have broken, you're not to commit adultery. That means men, if you're married, uh, women, if you're married, <laughs> you're not to cheat on your spouse. And you think, well, I've not done that. I've never had an affair, so I'm good on that one. But then Jesus expands that out to expose the heart of man, and he says... If you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed the act already. So Jesus exposes the heart of man. He tells us, listen, 
It's not just about keeping a list of rules. It's what's in your heart that matters, which is really what I was getting at with idolatry. So as you see, we've now broken we've dropped, broken adultery, idolatry. We've placed other gods before him. We have used his name in vain. We have wanted things that were not ours. We're, we have stolen. And the thing is, if you break one, you break them all. Well, here's one. You probably think you're okay with this one. Thou shalt not commit murder. You're not supposed to kill. And you say, well, I've never killed anybody, so it can't be that bad. But then, once again, Jesus exposes the heart of man. And he says, if you've hated your brother, guess what you've done in your heart? You have committed murder. So why am I going through this? I kind of went off on a tangent there. Like I said, this is not in my notes, but I feel that it needs to be said. It needs to be said because James here says God resists the proud. If you don't see yourself as a law breaker, a transgressor of the law of God, if you don't see that, then you cannot be ready for the next part of this verse where it says, but he gives grace to the humble. You must be broken before God's law. Let your pride, the fact that you think that you're okay, that you're not that bad, because after all, you didn't cheat on your taxes or your wife. You didn't pick up a gun and shoot someone. You live a pretty decent life. And you think to yourself, I'm just not that bad. What you're saying, dear friend, is that you don't need a savior. That you are going to face all eternity based on your merit. And what I am proclaiming to you, what the Bible clearly states, is that you do not have standing before God. Because God is not going to compare you to the most vilest, evilest thing that you can imagine in your mind. He's not going to compare you to me. He's not going to compare you to a serial killer or some notorious criminal. He's not going to compare you to something that by worldly standards is good and by worldly standards is evil. He is going to compare you against the perfect law of God. And if you are honest with yourself, you know that you have violated God's law. You know that you are a liar. You know that you are a sinner. You know that you have committed adultery in your heart. You know that you've committed murder in your heart. You know that you have used his name in a way where you are not praying. You know that you have placed other gods before him. You know that you have coveted. You know these things. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, you know the truth, but you deny the truth in your unrighteousness. You know the truth, 
but you deny the truth in your unrighteousness. So let's talk about grace. Let's talk about grace to the humble. Examine yourself before the law of God and then realize you have no case. Do you honestly believe that you're going to stand before the judge of the entire universe and you're going to plead your case something like, I'm not that bad. I just wasn't. I was a good human being, God. You gave me a brain and, and I, I looked at your word. I looked at the Bible and, and I used the brain God that you gave me and I came to the conclusion that it's not true. It can't be all true. And I'm not, I'm just not that bad of a person. I never killed anybody. I was a, a good human being. I treated people with respect and honor and I was a good guy. Do you honestly think that that's going to stack up? Because what God demands, he demands this. He demands perfection. He demands perfect obedience to his law. And you honestly think you're going to stand before him with your excuse. I wasn't as bad as my neighbor. I wasn't as bad as so-and-so. Do you honestly believe that that's going to fly? Let me assure you, friends, the only way to God is through Christ Jesus, his son. Why? Because Jesus, the son of the living God, the eternal son, took on human flesh. John tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us that we saw him, that we touched him, that we experienced him. We heard his words, the very words of life. That this man came and lived perfectly before God the Father. He never sinned. And this gets into something here I want you to try to contemplate as you're listening to me. You see, you were born in sin. You were born under the first Adam, the first man. He was created by God. He rebelled against God. He broke God's law. And you and I as human beings, we are born into that first Adam. But the second Adam came. And his father is not an earthly father, but a heavenly father. And this is where that phrase, being born again, that's where it comes from. Is to receive the righteousness of the one who was perfect. To have his righteousness imputed onto you. How does that happen? Well, it happens because he took your punishment on the cross of Calvary. So, as a Christian... I get his righteousness imputed onto me and he took my sin and all the wrath of God the Father that was coming toward me, it was placed on him. That word imputation or imputed, what does that mean? It's a word that we don't use very much. 
actually. Well, what does it mean? It means credit to your account. Think of it that way. And so on Jesus' account, my sin, my wrongdoing, every violation of God's perfect law that I ever did was placed on him. And when he went to the cross, he went to that cross and he received the wrath of God that should have been put on me because I am a lawbreaker, a transgressor. And the Bible says that I was a child of wrath, that I hated him, that I hated God. And you think, oh, I don't hate God. Listen, friends, <laughs> Jesus gives you no choice. He did not mean to give you a middle ground. It is either black or white. It is either love or hate. He said, you will love me or you will hate me one or the other. So the Bible, again, not your opinion, not my opinion. The Bible says you are a hater of God. The fact that I'm telling you, I'm giving you this message and you resist it shows the hatred and the pride that you have in your heart because you won't hear the truth. So all of that was placed upon Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, the man who was perfect, the God-man, God in human form. He entered into his creation to become like us, to take on the form of man. He went to the cross, and there he received the full wrath of God. And when I place my faith in his completed work, when I realize I'm a lawbreaker, I deserve, I deserve what Jesus took. The beating, they spit upon him. They thrust a crown of thorns into his head. They cursed him and mocked him. And they nailed him to a cross. All of that should have been on me. All of that should have been on me. But Jesus laid down his life. And he tells us, greater love has no man than he that would lay down his life for his friends. So I know this is supposed to be the book of James chapter 4. But I am overcome by the need to proclaim the gospel to whoever is listening. I went way off my notes because I read this verse here. James chapter 4 verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I hope that this makes sense. I hope that this, that someone listening to this podcast, you needed to hear this. You needed to hear the truth of God and see where you stand. I promise I will pick up James chapter 4. Uh, we will continue a verse by verse through chapter 4. God bless you. If you do not know Christ, today is the day of your salvation. Call out upon him. Receive by faith his finished work.